We're back to the Neil Haley Show's Total Media Network's Dr. Christopher Hall Show. And you know what? I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Hall. Dr. Hall, how are you? I mean, again, we saw the post you made again in the emergency room. Thank you for your service. Again, you, in the media, you did it in the military now, front lines of coronavirus. And uh, it's 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 getting scarier out there, right? Especially with just everywhere vir- this virus coming out, not just in the big cities now, but smaller areas. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, we see that this is uh, affecting uh, really not only us physically, but also mentally. You know, there's been some, some effect on the healthcare providers, just the emotional stress. Um, you know, we're trained to, to save people and we just see them dying with everything we're doing. It's, it's very emotionally uh, uh, drained. So you're right. Well, we have another, we have an amazing guest today and, uh, you know, especially with the ESPN special, it's gonna be interesting to talk to him about life, career and everything. So go ahead and introduce our guest, Dr. Hall. Well, no problem. Well, it is, uh, it's my honor, um, to introduce, uh, a man who is an author, a man who is a shrewd, uh, businessman, incidentally, a two time NBA championship recipient uh, from my hometown and one of Mobile's greatest. I'd like to introduce Mr. Jason Caffey. Uh, Jason, Dr. Hall, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Thank you guys for having me on. And, and Doc, thank you um, for the compliments. I really appreciate that. Ah, absolutely. He's a great guy for sure, Jason. And I kind of, I'm going to let Dr. Hall take us through the start of this. But again, thinking about, uh, the this time period, Jason. How are you holding up during the coronavirus? Uh, I'm I'm on the front line like Doc. I, I own group homes for the mentally ill, um, so I haven't had a day off since this started. Um, some politicians are pushing for the, the state to open back up. Some are against it. I have future aspirations of being a politician myself, and uh, I can just say it's a tough call gambling with people's lives to uh, try to save the economy. I'm glad I'm not in position now to be the one has to make that call. That's uh, true. I mean, that's, that's a great point you're making because it's just, it's a challenge for anybody to decide when to go back and not go back. And then it's going to be a, a new normal. And how are people going to react to that new normal? Especially if you're in a Northeast state like Pennsylvania, are our l- rules and restrictions and we're opening back up. It's going to be crazy. It's a definite different world we live in now. So interesting. Uh, I definitely agree with you on that. I don't know what to expect. I'm just taking it day by day like you guys. Exactly. All right, Dr. Hall, first question for Jason. Incredible. Wow. Jason, you know, I I know you're from Mobile, uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, uh, where you went to school here in Mobile and um, some of your influences as a kid. Okay, so, Doc, I was raised... Um, in the historic campground area, which is a predominantly black area. Uh, it's about 10 miles away from my high school. There are about five or six high schools that are closer to my house than uh, Davidson High School. However, because of the Bertie Mae Davis case back in the 70s, we were bussed out to uh, a mixed high school, and it was a great experience for me. Uh, at that high school, you had to get your grades. Uh, at some of these local black high schools, I realized when I got to college with some of the athletes, they couldn't put together simple sentences. And I was like, how is this so? I asked some of them, I won't call any of their names, but I asked them. And they said, Jason, I wasn't the most popular football player at such and such school because I was the best player 
I was the most popular because the teachers gave me the grades, and I used to pass them out to all the other kids. And I, I just found that crazy. I was like, man, I never heard of such. <laughs> we had to do everything at Davidson. So thank Davidson High School for giving me a good education and helping me get back on my feet when I needed it the most. Um, after Davidson, I took a scholarship to the University of Alabama uh, for basketball. And I, I played four years there. Uh, most of my time there, I was injured. Uh, I was speaking about breaking my leg my sophomore year and then uh, breaking my foot the first week of practice my senior year. So when draft board came around at the end of my senior year, I wasn't even on the draft board. I got invited to one camp, which was Portsmouth. That's up in Virginia. So if you are one of the best two performers in that camp out of two, 300 guys, you get pushed on to Phoenix. Me and a guy named Mark were selected from Portsmouth to go on to Phoenix. And I went on there and I was starting to get my confidence. I was starting to get back healthy. So I just kind of kicked ass and took names the rest of the way. Next thing I know, um, with the 20th pick in the 1995 draft, the Chicago Bulls call out my name, and you know I'm I'm living a dream. Awesome. Wow. So kind of going taking taking yourself back to that time period. Who was your mentors? Kind of mentors you dealt with growing up that helped you through this process to get to play college basketball uh, in, the, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. After high school, I fell off with mentors, uh, and I'll tell you why. My, my high school coach was always my mentor, uh, Coach Bill Ryan, who was a great man. Uh, the gym is named after him. He's deceased now. But after high school, I kind of got, got back into my old ways of uh, being in the, the community, and the community was, you know, the ghetto. And I, I picked up a lot of bad habits from um, people that I should not have been listening to. And they kind of followed me through my career, and I made a lot of mistakes from that. But luckily, I was able to go able to go get treatment and uh, learn how to deal with these problems, and I've been working against it ever since. All right, so Dr. Hall, go ahead with your next question for Jason. Awesome, and you know that, and that's the thing that you know, uh, like myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I actually was born in Watts, California, and um, and that's the ghetto, and uh, but it's so tremendous and awesome when we see people who can rise up against adversity um, and, and go on to uh, great institutions like University of Alabama. So incredible, Jason, what you've been doing. Now, let me ask you this. Um, you're doing a whole lot. Uh, one of the things I saw that you were in a, that you were helping with uh, was something called uh, the ACT prep. And I think it's uh, with the young lady, Valencia Bell. Tell us about that. How did you get involved with that project, and and just what do you think about the whole project? I think it's a great project. Uh, Ms. Bell does a great service, not only for this state, from other states. Uh, she's a friend of mine since back Alabama days. Uh, and as far as a brain, there, there get to be no bigger brains. I think Valencia was at the University of Alabama when she was actually 15 or 16 years old, meaning she graduated high school at 15 and was already up there doing research. Um, so that goes to show you how brilliant this lady is. Um, I was already doing basketball camps, and she inboxed me one day. And, you know, I had been following what she was doing. Never did I think we could put the two together. However, we did. And we did a basketball camp, and we brought her in for ACT prep. Uh, we brought another guy in for uh, financial literacy. And we had the police officers there to deal with youth intervention. Now, this camp, it rotates Sometimes the kids are on the floor. Sometimes they're in the classroom. Sometimes they're in another classroom talking with cops. And it just rolls around for like four or five hours. 
And Valencia did a great job with these kids. You you would be surprised. More kids were excited about ACT prep at the camp than they were basketball. And that's what I wanted. Incredible. And that's so needed. Incredible. And that's so needed, especially for them to be able to go to college is, is do well in the ACT. So you saw, okay, it, the, the thing that's going to attract them is the basketball, but I'm going to provide so many other things for them that's going to help them later in life. I agree 100%. Um, realistically, less than 1% of them will ever go professional, but 100% of them can go to college. I would say 75% of them are going to deal with a police officer somewhere along the line, and they know how to they would know how to deal with that. And another 100% of them are going to have to deal with money at some point in time. So I just put all these different intangibles together and said, here, here's your camp. That's great. That's fantastic. All right, Dr. Hall, next question. Wow, that's so incredible. And and that's the incredible thing about about Jason is how he takes his life experiences, experiences and then uses those to help other people. On that point, um, Jason, tell us a little bit about uh, this book, Richard and the Boys. Um, what, what's the goal of that book? Okay, uh, Dr. Nadine Pierre-Louise, uh, who was a good friend of mine out of Miami, Florida, I spoke with her earlier today. She, uh, she came up with the concept of a book, and I, I read the book. I didn't know if I would be interested in doing it with her at first or not because I – was kind of skeptical at the time and um after i read it i was like wow nadine this this is really about my life you know puberty and, and not knowing the things that i should have known around the age of you know, 11 through 13 thinking possibly because my my nipples are growing and my chest is growing and my gay all these kind of questions that come up during puberty so this book was written to give answers to those young men who go through puberty that they're afraid to ask other people they can go right into this book, and it's written with a humor so that it's not too technical, and it hasn't been broken down to a slang so that they'll understand exactly what we're talking about when we're getting this message across that's written by this professor. Incredible. Impre- wow. Impressive. And how did you kind of come about thinking about doing this? Well, actually, Nadine stepped to me. Um, I met Nadine in, in Florida, and we became friends. And uh, I knew she was a professor and she worked with kids at the college on the college level. And she told me how a lot of the college kids had questions about things they should have knew from their pubic years and um, how much of a help she was to them. And I wanted to be a help to young men because I feel like that's where I went wrong. I didn't really have a lot of people to talk to me about these things. Uh, In the African-American families, we kind of shy away from these conversations when we need to have them more often. But uh, I wanted to change that. And that's how I came about it. Wow. Awesome. Incredible. Yeah. And, and, yeah. All right. Next question, Dr. Yeah. Just kind of uh, to add to that, what Jason said is, and it's pretty important because, you know, kind of the communities that um, a lot of young black males work in, uh, myself, Jason, you know, the, the men that we see are, you know, uh, people who are, who are probably sometimes, you yeah, have um, uh, uh, pimps or rappers or you know who are giving their ideas and we don't want that so this book is, is is awesome very good to transition young men in puberty so wow well um let's shift gears a little bit and um you know you you played with some great people there and won those two championship rings michael jordan scott uh, uh scotty pippins uh just awesome 
Um, so tell me about, I see where um, we've got some media, we've got some fans that are trying to pit, um, it looks like LeBron James against uh, Michael Jordan, saying that uh, LeBron James said that he was better than Jordan, and we know it's not true. What, what do you think about that? You know, I, I really hate that uh, for the young man. I'm, Michael Jordan is my favorite player of all time. I think he's the best player of all time. Um, LeBron, I think, made a statement once after he beat the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors for the world championship. At that time, I could see where a young man is feeling himself. He's doing some pretty amazing things. He's winning championships. And he just beat the team that beat the record of the team of the greatest player of all time. So I can see where he would feel that. But he has not repeatedly in public made that statement. He has not. Uh, I have a problem when people like Charles Barkley, who is a great player, but he has not accomplished what LeBron has accomplished. And he bashes this young man who does so much for the African-American community. I mean, this guy, is he's negotiating contracts for African-American. And, and everything I say isn't African-American, but I am pro-black, and, and I would like to see my community rise, as white America has. So a lot of things I'm going to say are going to be based off that. But this young man is opening schools. Uh, he's doing a lot of things that people like Charles and I, who were going to jail while we were in jail, while we were in, in um, the league, this kid is not going to jail. So why is he being bashed so hard about a comment that several other guys have made as well, that they were the GOAT, but their name never comes up? Wow. And that, see, that, and that, that, and so, so and, and, and it's so true. And it's like, what, why is it that, you know, in your opinion, do you feel that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time? No question in my mind. If I got to start a team with a player, I'm going to start it with Michael Jordan. And I think he, the difference with Michael and LeBron, you feel bad for the comparison as you were talking about, but the difference is that Michael Jordan was just unstoppable and he just made every player on his team a thousand times better. And it was in a different time period. It was a different time the way the NBA was. And Michael was unselfish and he also could take over a game anytime he wanted to. So that's in LeBron's close to that level. But the difference is that Michael just has something more in the fact of how he made players that weren't the greatest look really good on the floor with him. Right. I would agree with you. Michael just had another gear and not just his body and his athleticism in his mind. When this man set his mind to do something, it was going to get accomplished regardless if it was shooting pool, playing marbles, Gambling, whatever he wanted to do, he mastered. He mastered to the level that was amazing. All right, uh, Dr. Hall, next question. Uh, sure, no problem. No problem at all. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I think that's very true what, what you're saying um, in regards to um, uh, just communities uh, working together and becoming stronger. So, very, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, well, you know, tell us a little bit about um, uh, some of the other community activities uh, that you're doing. I see that, uh, you know, you're involved in um, the group homes for the uh, mentally challenged. Um, tell us about that. Uh, those things you're doing here in Mobile. Yeah, well, I, I've been doing that for probably the last six or seven years. Uh, currently, due to the pandemic, 
I mean, we, we still have residents, but I'm taking this downtime right now to go in and, and refurbish the homes. Uh, I've, I've, I've got this thing, and, and I don't want to live any better than the people that I take care of. And I looked at my homes uh, just recently as of the pandemic, and I, I had an epiphany. Uh, I actually wanted to get out of the business because it was very stressful. And, and the Lord kind of came to me and, and, and thought and, and spoke to me and said, listen, a lot of people have lost their jobs, their home. They don't have any money. You're still earning money, and you got a great job. You're your own boss. Why would you give that up? And at that moment, I just started pouring all the cash that I had into the homes to rebuild them so that these men could live a more luxurious life. Uh, not to say they were living bad before that, but I just didn't feel like they were up to the standards of what they should be. And it goes back to your Very life. True. It goes back to your life, right? What you dealt with and the ups and downs that you want to help others. It sounds like. I'm all about helping others. That, that's where I'm at. When I was down, I had so many people try to kick me and keep me down that I fought for 15, 16 years to get back up. Never want to see anybody else go through that. That is deserving of that second chance. Now, if they're not deserving of it, I don't want to have anything to do with them. But if they are deserving of it, I'm all for them. Awesome. All right, Dr. Hall, next question. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So... Um, the next question uh, is is kind of relating to um, the things that you studied there in, in college at the University of Alabama. Um, I see there where you studied business and, and looks like physical education. So uh, tell us, uh, Jason, how have those things contributed to what you're doing now? I mean, you've obviously transitioned from the NBA and have been very successful in business. Well, you know, sometimes we don't always see that with professional players. So tell us your uh, formula for that. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. All of the knowledge I, I took in, I, I paid for it. When I was at college, Doc, I BS the whole time. And luckily, I was able to get three and a half years under my belt. I'm only maybe a year from graduating, and I'm back enrolled in school now to finish up my degree. Um, once I left the NBA, I knew I was going to leave the NBA at 30. I, I, and I'm this type of guy. I've, I've been saying I was going to the NBA since I was 10 years old. You can believe that because I got friends that will tell you to this very day. I, I wasn't arrogant because I was the worst player on the team in middle school. Uh, seventh grade, I scored two points the whole season. I just knew something was going to allow me to make it to the NBA. I was the shortest guy on the team. I grew maybe six inches in two years. So the story is, is very believable if you know my history. Uh, when I was at Bama, I played around. I didn't take classes seriously. That's something I regret because I know that the brain I have now, which I had to pay to get this knowledge by taking losses, I could have been much better of a businessman. However, I'll take you back to when I retired at the age of 30, and I still had two years left on my contract with the Milwaukee Bucks, but I, I just said I had enough of the NBA. It was getting the best of me. The lifestyle was too fast. It was too much money. It was just uncomfortable for a young kid from Mobile to handle all that. So I, um, I came home and I opened some daycare centers. And... Uh, I had a sports bar. I had rental properties. I invested well. But then uh, when the issues with my kids' mothers came about and all of them had different lawyers, some of the lawyers wanted to liquidate. Some of them wanted to do this and that to get paid off. And the businesses didn't really get a chance to take off the way that they should have taken off. However, I was able to sustain a good lifestyle and continue to work in business. And that's how I got into the group homes. 
and it's, it's just been crazy, man. It's been a crazy life. I need to write a book about myself at some point. And well, you have to get with Dr. Hall. He knows what he's doing involving that, and I know what to do in promotion. So those are two uh, resources out there for sure um, because you got to write that book because this seems like an amazing story to think about. NBA champion, the challenges you've gone through, as, and then all those different things. So looking at how exciting it was to be a champion in the NBA, kind of explain that winning that, that NBA title. Okay, uh, let, let me start with this. That is a very exciting moment. It's not the most exciting moment of my life, and I'm not going to take you away from basketball. The most exciting moment of my life was draft night, and we'll come okay. back around. Okay, that. sure. But winning that championship, when I got to Chicago and I saw Michael Jordan and the things he could do in practice, and, and keep in mind, we didn't even speak for the first month because I didn't feel like I had gained his respect to go to the man yet. I mean, this is Mike grades of all time you got to have your each together to go to him so just watching him in practice and watching scotty and dennis and the condition these men were in i said to myself right then first month of practice we're gonna win the championship nobody can deal with these guys it's true yeah wow. yeah and and that's i mean that's feeling to know that you're going to be with the one of the greatest of all the greatest of all time, as you're saying, uh, to play with him. What an amazing thing! So that was the greatest moment. Saying, "Man, when you're draft night and you're thinking, where am I going?" And then you go to the Chicago Bulls, which you probably grew up watching, and you're like, "Holy cow! I'm going to be a bull, right?" And and, and not even that, not not to go against you, but let me say this: um, most people work jobs. Um, you know, Doc's got a great job. You got a great job. Uh, you get paid. You look for raises. Uh, Thank you. Most people that work get paid and get raises. Think about working for 10 or 11 years without pay at all. And then all of a sudden one night on TV, national TV, somebody tells you you're a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Great. Oh, that's gigantic. That just, you can't duplicate that's that. That's the lottery. That's the lottery, man. Right. It's just like hitting the lottery, man. It really is. Wow. I mean, the tears came to my eyes. That, that's all I remember, just crying. All, I couldn't even say that. All the hard work you put into it. And then now go back and you wanted to answer the question about being a champion. How did that feel? It, it feels great. Uh, Chicago is, is a great town. It's even a greater town to win championships in. Uh, man, I was riding high. The whole city was riding high. We paid for nothing. Wherever we went, we got in free. We ate free. Uh, you know, it's basically still like that today. If, if some of the old bulls come up and you're in a restaurant and you're recognized, they don't ask you to pay for anything. It's a privilege for you to be there. That's how big of a sports town Chicago is. A gigantic town, and what an amazing feat to win back-to-back -back titles and feel that they'll never take that away from you. Regardless of everything else you do in your life, you always have – those championships. And I just can't imagine we're thinking championships in sports of this coronavirus that kids are missing out and playing sports. Adults are, I mean, every athlete's not getting to compete. And this has got to be, I couldn't imagine being taken away from sports like this. And I'm sure you, both of you guys as well, to have your season taken away and everything. It's got to be heartbreaking. Guys, you know, we're living in some strange times. Uh, this is probably the strangest. I've, I've never experienced anything like this, Doc. Have you? 
You know what, um, uh, Jason? No, you're, you're you're totally right. It's um, you know it's trying times, and, and, and for you to come on um, the air here and for for for, for thousands and, and actually all the world, millions of people hear you um, and, and tell your story the way you've done. It's just it's incredible. I'm sure it's lifting the spirits and minds of America and people across the world. Thank you, bro. Well, appreciate you. Yes, appreciate you guys. Uh, the, another great show. And Dr. Hall, I mean, he's an amazing guy and uh, someday an author as well. And I uh, appreciate you got another to write a book, a memoir on himself. So I appreciate Jason coming right. by. And Dr. Hall, thank you yep. for your service. And that was the Dr. Christopher it, Hall show, guys. Okay. It, 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 oh, one more thing. Okay, Dr. Hall. Oh, Neil. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I just want to say one, one, one last thing uh, about Jason and what he's done so far as. Uh, been a wonderful father in putting uh, six uh, children through college, which is awesome. And that's the other thing we like to see in our community. So. And uh, Doc, I got to give you credit. I'm sorry, were you finished with yep. your question? Uh, no, no, no. I actually wanted, I wanted to give him a little summary if that's okay, Neil. Oh, sure. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, you finish up. Well, what I was going to say is I've got to give most of the credit to the, to the mothers of my children. Um, yes, sir. They were good women, and uh, although, you know, I like women in abundance at that time, and I had children in abundance, none of these women were strippers or, or idiots. They, they were, you know, uh, nurses, uh, real estate brokers. They, they were all great women, and we bear great kids. None of those kids are on athletic scholarships. They're, they're all on academic scholarships, and they're going to school to be nurses and, and business majors. So. Uh, I can't take that credit. I have to give that credit to their mothers because uh, although I was in the kids' lives as much as I could be, I did not raise any of them in my house per se myself. Their mothers did that. Wow. That's, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, all right, Dr. Hall, now summarize. Ah, no problem. Well, there you have it. Uh, A humble servant who uh, rose up from the hard courts of Mobile, Bay City, to the threshold of a immensely promising NBA career. Now a pillar of the community, an example for our young men. And uh, from what I understand, maybe a senator one day. So thank you for coming on the show, uh, Jason. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, Jason. Take care, Dr. Hall. See you guys. All right. Awesome. All right, guys. That was the Dr. Christopher Hall Show. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? Uh, again, Great. just, you know, you're you're still living the life even though you're kind of quarantined in the fact that you get to do so many different television and radio interviews and all these different things. Your day never stops, right? Everything is wonderful out here. You know, in most California homes have outdoor living on their front yard and backyard, so it's beautiful out here, though. It's pretty windy and it's hot and it's sunny so that's i like all those ingredients awesome so we have an amazing guest on and uh i know she's going to tell us a great story so go ahead and introduce our guest dave we are introducing today a most beautiful young lady actress model from panama originally she's a television host on some television station patricia de leon welcome to the show Hi, thank you, thank you. Good morning uh, to you, Dave. Which we're in LA, and uh, good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon good to afternoon. me. Yeah, good afternoon. Good afternoon to, me. to you guys. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And where are you in the country today, Patricia? 
I'm in LA. I'm in sun. Oh. Uh, you know, beautiful LA. Yes. We're both looking at the same sun. Yes. That that is correct. That is correct. It's uh it's beautiful outside. Our, yeah, um, working on our tans, right? Yeah, yeah. For for the for the ones that decide to be outside, I'm actually in the pet in the patio. I have a I have a beautiful patio outside. So yeah, we're we're very very lucky because there's some people that, you know, are, uh, you know, you were saying I'm from Panama. If that's correct, and um, back home, the quarantine is very strict. People wow, cannot, really? you know, people just they they have one hour to come out of their houses. Um, daily and during the weekends, nobody's allowed to be on the streets. Wow. So yeah, so it's very strict yeah. there. It's been I was two in months Panama. of that I did, already. I did mm-hmm. the Panama Canal cruise. It's a beautiful country. Thank you. Thank you. Did you get to go out of the, you know, to basically to see the city, or or you were just? I did a little bit. I I ventured out because I'm I'm like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was right great. on. Yeah. That's so the bargain. You liked it. Yeah. It, it has, it's a small country, big heart, and it has a lot to offer. You know, you have the mountains, you have the beaches. Yeah. I mean, it's very small. So clear water from one side. You have the Atlantic and the Pacific, you know, right within eight hour drive, yeah. probably less. So you grew up in Panama. That's and, correct. And uh, what interests does a young girl have who lives in Panama? <laughs> Well, um, I was my my I come from a very normal family. I mean, my father is a farmer. My mom worked on the farm with him. She was the accountant of he 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 grows rice. That's so basically my entire life. I I was always either farming with him or picking up tomatoes or you know playing with animals, and that's where the love for animals comes from. And um, Nobody in my family was either a singer or an actor or anything that had to do with entertainment. So I don't even know how I got here. <laughs> and um, But I always had the passion for um, for news. I wanted to do news. My my biggest dream was to do news, and uh, which I didn't even know what that meant. All I <laughs> knew was the person who was actually in front of the camera reading the news. Mm. Uh whether you needed to study or whatever you needed to happen in order for me to get there, I was like, I'm going to do that. And it's funny because my father was the kind of person, very traditional, macho, Latino, who will actually say, no, if you're not a lawyer or a doctor, you're nothing. So I got stuck with a law career. Yeah, I did, <laughs> yes, I um, went to law school oh because gosh. of my father. Yeah, wow. so inteligente. Yeah, an inteligente for getting out of it too, because <laughs> he also taught me that you know, he always said to me, you know, um, whether you want to clean windows, make sure that you're the best at it. But I always said to him, I said, well, don't I need to have passion for it? Don't I need to be happy doing what I'm doing in order for me to be the best at it? So I said, I'm sorry. I finished my, my, all my classes. I gave him my, I didn't give him a diploma because I needed to work um, a certain amount of hours for a law firm. But I said to him, I said, listen, I'm an excellent student. Here it is. I went, you know, four or five years doing this and I'm done. So I went after my dream, which it was, I worked for trying to find what my thing was. I worked for a newspaper for 
a month, literally. I remember knocking on my boss door and I say, you know what? Thank you for the opportunity, but no, thank you. I, I got to go. This is not for me. So then after that, I went and I started uh, the weather because there was nothing in that moment for me to do. There was no uh, uh, position at the network that I wanted to work with. The so weather I started girl. with the weather. I was a weather girl. Yeah, is, very beautiful. I, I mean, who, who, whoever has been in this business knows that it, for me, I don't know, for me, it was not necessarily uh, the most, what I really wanted to do. I was like, I hated it. I hated doing the weather, especially in a country <laughs> where five minutes rains and the two minutes come, the sun comes out. And then, you know, five minutes later, it's, it's pouring rain outside. So yeah, there was like no way yeah, you, you didn't even know whether exactly. you should say it's going to rain or it's going to be sunny. So, you know. Roll the dice. Yeah, that's exactly how it was every morning for me. Wow. And then I was like, you know what? No, I'm, this is not for me either. So, you know what? You need to put me to do what I came here to do. And I ended up doing the news. So, um, so being that news person in a lot of ways that you transitioned from uh, going – thinking, you know, wanting to be a lawyer to the news, uh, I'm sure some of that training helped, right? Especially if, you know, do cross examinations or arguments or different things like that. I think so. I think that, you know, I always tell people that now being a grown up, I always tell people, you know what, whatever you go through life, it becomes a tool or an ingredient to make you even better what you, you know, what you want to do, who you are today. So I think that everything helped absolutely, you know, having that background and, and have the, you know, the, the respect for, for information, the respect for, uh, you know, either the pain of others and, and, you know, uh, you learn everything, you know, learn a little bit of everything when you were in law school, criminology, you know, you learn so much. So, um, and and yeah, it definitely helped when I was doing the news in, and it got to a point where I was like, you know what, I did it, but I'm done. So I was like, Panama at that point, it, I have already done everything. I, I started modeling since I was a kid. Then you know I did the Miss Panama thing. I I, I won one of the crowns. I went and I modeled. So I, I did a little bit of everything that had to do with the business in my country, and it ended up being a little just too small at that point. Mm. So I'm like, you know what? I'm out. I gotta go somewhere else. So and, you you've overcome that image of uh, weather girl, beauty pageant bimbo, and and people mm-hmm. discovered, oh my gosh, you're a lawyer. You're you're smart. You know, a lot of men are intimidated by that, you know, in the industry. Uh, what reaction did you have from people um, who discovered that not only are you drop-dead gorgeous, but you also have a brain? Um, it's funny because I, I've never really mentioned the pageant thing or the modeling thing because people get this idea, oh, well, she was, she was, I never literally, it's probably the first time that I actually even mentioned um, but I never really mention it because it comes to that ground of like, oh, she's like a ding dong, you know. And but whoever knows me knows that I'm not the like when you are in front of me, you know right away the kind of person I am. You know, it, there's no, oh, I'm mistaking her for now. No, like the way I present myself, the way I speak myself, they, they people get it right away. 
that, you know, there is no either fooling around or this girl, there's not a blink of, you know, of not being smart or whatever. But, but yeah, a lot of people get, you know, they're like, oh my God, but you've done so much in, in such a short period of time in your life. Um, but I've always been that way as a kid. I remember being, uh, let me tell you, I was not the prettiest, the most popular or either the, the, the brightest in school that I, I must say that I must say that <laughs> I was the kid that will sit. I will have to be seated by in the front by force uh, because I will sit in the back because I didn't want to be seen by anybody. I was very shy. And then if then I will always decide to either go to the back or close to the window, which I will be the, the kid will be like, oh, there's a butterfly. And I will go with the butterfly. There was a nothing that was I never listened to what the teacher was saying. I was nothing, nothing. I was literally. And then I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing here wasting my time? Because this <laughs> is just a waste of time. I mean, I could be doing so many things, but. I, and, and I guess it's where my father always taught me, uh, my sister and my brother, what like working was very important, you know, that, you know, doing something with yourself, getting a, a career, doing a job, doing something for yourself. Was, was important. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's but, definitely doing something for yourself is very important. And it's just like you find a, that this is your passion, right? This is something that really interests you and wants you to get up every morning and, and do it. Uh, absolutely. It's funny because I just posted this morning a, on Instagram, my first, 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 first job, real job, because my, my dad some way somehow put in my, in my head that being an entertainer was not a real job. Um, but my real, like my only first, like a job that I could say that, you know what, that I put on a uniform, go to work was as a flight attendant. I did it for a very, a very short period of time. It was probably like a, a, a probably like two years. I waited until um, I was 18. I was emancipated by my parents at 17, so I could train for it. And I remember putting on that that uniform like it was. I was putting on super like Wonder Woman's uniform, literally. <laughs> for me, putting on that uniform at such a short period of time in my life was such an honor and the pride that I would take every time it was just amazing and it's funny because I just literally posted something about that and In the film you got to travel all over the world wow. I got to travel all over the world and 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 you know what the thing is I, I hate it sometimes when people say oh she's just a maid on the plane and people have no idea. They have right. no idea what a flight attendant has to go through when it comes to training to get on those planes. Many people don't even make it. I mean, the the, the amount Absolutely. of books, True. Mm -hmm. the, the huge books that you have to, you have to know everything about the plane. Everything. Emergency training, yeah. Absolutely. Emergency training, how to save people. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I have to give a CPR to a kid who, by the way, Nobody knew that he needed a lung uh, and heart transplant, and I had to do CPR on that eighteen-month uh, kid, who wow. sadly we lost on the plane. Mm. Not because of how we conduct, wow. you know, not because of negligence, but it's because we couldn't do anything. You know, we needed we, the kid needed to go into a surgery, and and there was no way, there was nowhere for the, the plane to land. 
but 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 you know like that's when I, I I get a little bit you know touchy when people say oh she's just a maid on the plane and I'm like no 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 mm-hmm. I'm sorry you have no idea so back <laughs> off oh, you wow. know oh wow <laughs> so yeah and and the responsibility that those people have and and just and and the reason why I did it is because it's sadly how many planes are stopped right now and how much is this affecting so many families not only right. the ones that are on board but the ones that are at the airport TSA I mean I mean you name it there's thousands of thousands of people that are stopped not, not only right. just in the and the airline business but you know all over the world but it's it's just happened that I know that business yeah do you let uh, stewards know that uh, you used to be one of them when you fly <laughs> It's funny because sometimes they're like, oh, I, I, I like to sit by the emergency exit sometimes <laughs> when I don't get to like, like you know, when I don't go on the fir- business or first oh, class. All that extra I, leg room, I, yeah. I will, go, I will go sit by the emergency door because I figure, you know what? There's if something there. happens, at least I know that I can save a few people and myself as well, you know? Exactly. Wow. Uh, Dave, uh, I guess. So the, you're- go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I just, I'm just, I was, in, I was impressed by just thinking about what she posted today and then going right back to you, Dave, is the fact of a uh, flight attendant, the flight, the airline industry. And I mean, yeah. just how in trouble they are and who's going to want to travel, yeah, I, you know, I, I just, well, they're getting bailed out. Well, thank you. God for that. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so, so yeah. So going back to the question of whether I have a, you know, I I love what I do and and I wake up every morning having the passion to go to work. Yes. Yes. I I do. I I do. You are pursuing your passions and very few people can live an entire life, wake up one day, they're 60 or 70 years old. And the only pain that they feel inside is that pain of regret. You know, I, I coulda, I shoulda, I, I woulda, you know, like uh, that old movie with uh, Marlon Brando, I could have been a contender, you know, but he took a dive. But you, I, I really admire you. You're, you're just checking everything out, you know. Well, let me try this. No, I don't like that. Well, let me try this. I don't like that. Well, um, yeah. What was? Go ahead. When did you first? I'm sorry to interrupt. When did you first realize that that acting was, I'm assuming, your real passion? I'll be honest with you. Um, Acting was never my passion. Really? I, I never, back home, the Hollywood movies is like, is like a fantasy. You know, we, we don't shoot movies. Back in the days, we didn't even shoot soaps or any of that stuff. We're just, Panama's just starting to like coming out with like movies and people starting to like really like taking it seriously. But wow. acting pretty much fell on my lab. It was the opportunity was skip, you know, there was a small little window that was open. Somebody, I, after leaving Panama, I actually went to Houston, Texas, um, to knock on the door of Univision because all I knew how to do was news. So, um, I got, a, I went and knocked on a 4th of July, believe it or not, there was nobody there. I bumped into the guy who used to do the weather, <laughs> who was the only one at the network at that moment. And I said, hey, listen, I, I really would like to apply for a job here, just like that, without knowing anybody. And um, I went in with my reel, and uh, my resume and my picture, and he's like, yeah, well, it's it's a holiday. And I'm like, what do you mean holiday? Um, so I, I, 
I'm like, he's going to throw my stuff in the trash. I know he didn't. I went back home. I received the call. I went back to Houston and I try out for it. I went out with the reporter. They, 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 I did a whole, the whole tryout for it. And then I got a call and they say, they gave me an offer and I was destined to go to Houston, Texas. And uh, they gave me a month. They say, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get you a uh, work, you know, work papers. Um, and it's just, you have a month to basically close everything down in Panama and just move here. I was set. I was like, I'm making, I was like, I'm making the money that I never was going to make in Panama. I'm set. So I went back home. I, I, and then I bump into this woman who was at AFI and says, Oh my God, I'm shooting a film. I have this script. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not an actress. I, I, I no. He's like, no, I, I, I see your career. I think that you were perfect. You just have to read for us. You know, I'm like, yeah, no, no. Just like, you know, here, here's a script. Read it. If you're interested, fly to LA and then, you know, audition for it. My sister used to work for Continental back in the day. Um, um not on the on the on the planes like me she was at the counter and so i'm like oh well you know what i have a month i'll go there for a week uh, i'll you know i'll see what it lays about and then you know i came here with a backpack <laughs> well guess what i auditioned with the dictionary and because i couldn't talk to the to the uh, my english was very poor uh i couldn't communicate with the director and I auditioned for the film I got the film and I call Univision and say well Mr. Cruz I really would like to tell you thank you so much for the opportunity but I think that God is putting in my path something different so I'm going to stay in LA to do a film (laughs) Mm -hmm. an AFI grad film that's what it was wow that's what it was now, I can't believe you're telling us so many tremendous stories, but I really got to jump. What's your latest projects? Tell us some of your latest projects right now. Okay, my latest project. I just, uh, right before, um, right as soon as this, the, the, the pandemic hit hard, um, uh, March 13 was my last day shooting NCIS, which um, is just, just run this past week, um, uh, NCIS LA. Uh, and then I'm currently in two shows for ABC as a reoccurring. Um, one is Stumptown for ABC, which is uh, on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. And then Station 19, actually um, May 14, which is a Thursday at 9 p.m., you'll be able to see me on Station 19. Uh, it's actually like the role, um, it's actually the role that basically be the surprise of the season. So I hope that people watch it. I hope that people love my work, you know, at least love the role and, and I like my work. And um, so, yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm doing those two shows for ABC right now. I'm working on a makeup line, uh, which is oh, my, my okay. second one, actually, uh, which is a project that I, I have so much passion for. I've been working on it for the past six years uh, and, um, and, you know, continue working with PETA. Um, and that's basically what is right now on the books. Um, this year we were supposed to release a movie called Centurion, uh, which I play um, uh, Isabella Hall, uh, which is opposite um, Amber McDonder and uh, uh, B- um, Billy Zane. Uh, I play uh, his wife. 
and it's a beautiful film that uh, should be releasing. I mean, if it's not this year for sure, the beginning of next year. You're getting you're so you have so many different projects. You you're glad you shot all of this before the pandemic, and then you'll be ready to yeah. roll and get back to work when all mm-hmm. that other stuff. But just keep hitting that Instagram. You have a huge following, and keep uh, looking at pursuits especially of your own products because you can sell those online we don't know when Absolutely. when when we're going to be acting again that really concerns me of my celebrity segment with dave and even in all the other celebrity interviews i have i feel bad for these athletes actors everyone it's just it's just such a a bad situation but we're gonna i guess everyone needs to take this pandemic in my opinion and uh take the positive what can we do to improve ourselves what can we do to help others and what can we I, do I think to that's exactly what how i've gotten it neil i i honestly i, I think that listen we're all in the same ship we're, we're all exactly in the same ship it, 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 it's 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 if you look at it it's there's no plane there's no money that can avoid you going through it you know we're all in the same boat whether you have the money or you don't have the money, whether, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're finally in the same exact yeah, exactly. pot. So I feel like this is my, what I've done and it's helping me because a lot of people are getting into depression or they're continually stressing about it because they're looking at what's the future coming. I think that we have to live today. And then once that moment happens, when everything's going to open, we'll figure it out. We'll cross that line when it comes. I think that we'll have to stay positive, optimistic, and for sure creative. This is a moment for all the actors, everybody that is at home that is in the entertainment, become very productive and creative. I mean, we can write. We can, you know, we can, we can do so many things, do monologues, start rehearsing our stuff at home, do videos, teach other people that, that may need help. You know, there's so much to do if you really sit down and start thinking to be creative, because if you sit down and just, you know, wake up in your pajamas and go to, you know, just don't even do anything all day long, it's going to be really hard. Exactly. All right. Dave has the final question. And the final question is involving caregiving. Dave, go ahead and ask that question. So here's my story. I, I just was a normal guy 23 years ago, and then my wife complained about this headache when we were coming into the emptiness phase of life when we could travel and the kids are older and had three daughters got them all married off <laughs> each one's oh, wife wow. and she complains yeah. about this headache and um the ambulance came and it was it was too late the, uh, my wife had suffered a massive stroke and left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed oh, on one so side hard. and for the next two years it was like hell you know the grief process but we finally survived and and, you know, we almost broke up, but we, we hung in there and our love was rekindled when she finally started becoming her old self again. And she still can't talk. She still can't walk. But she has a power chair. We talk through charades and Pictionaries, you know, two games I hate. But I'm learning to love. But now I travel the world just telling caregivers, you know, how to stay alive because 30% of them actually die before the loved ones do. And I started a caregiver uh, online website, caregiverdave.com, which helps mm-hmm. caregivers videos and blogs and articles and my, my coaching and and uh my question to you because a lot of people don't realize it I, I wrote a book um it's my life to thrive and stay alive as a caregiver mm-hmm. uh, everyone is going to either become a caregiver or going to need a caregiver I mean, there's no escaping it yeah so absolutely how has caregiving touched your life or has it 
in my in my life, in my personal life, how I've 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 been, I've or been, life, I've been know. the one who actually has, it's it's not funny, but it's just strange that you actually had this past um, the past six ten months. We took care of my boyfriend's um, mom, who passed away from cancer. I was actually in the middle of a shooting, um, and I will fly back and forth to help them out. Before I got the film, which is this film that I was telling you about, um, it, it was it was tough. It was very tough because we got so close. She was like a mother to me, and um, it. Uh, uh, I was the lifter. From everyone, I feel like I was the one that would come in and say, "Hey, come on, let's go." You know, like like you know, we can't just all fall apart. You know what I'm saying? If if you, I was the kind, the woman that will walk in the room and say, "Let's do your nails. Let's put on your makeup." You uh, know, and 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 the 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 one who will be like, "No, no, 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 no. This, you guys got to put it together because you're not the one sick. She's the one sick, and we're the ones that what has happened to walk in here and lift her up." I do believe that everything is in the mind. If 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 you keep a person. You know, it's, I mean, it's an amazing story, what you just said, literally. Yeah, I'm like in awe, uh, and and I, I so admire everything that you've done. Um, but it, it's it's just in the mind of keep it, either you can go down with it, or you can lift those up. You know what I'm saying? And and there, was, there were days that I was like crying from my house to her house, and I would just put on the face, put on like this you know, a, a pink dress or a colorful something and then walking there and she's like, oh, honey, where are you coming from work? I'm like, no, I'm coming to see you. She's like, are you going somewhere? I'm like, no, I'm coming to see you. Oh you know, and, and it was tough. There were times where I had to shower her or, or clean her up or like, you know, turn around and, and, and see her in that bed and turn around and, and drop some tears and just put on an act that everything was going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? Bless so, I, it's, you're a natural caregiver. <laughs> She's definitely. Well, she has a great caregiving story for sure, Dave. You'll have to add that when you have your book written for sure, that story. Because again. Yeah, you'll be in my book. You, she, she about celebrity caregiver. Exactly. So, Anything I can help with. So the best place we can find info on you, Patricia, is your Instagram account, right? Is that the best place yes. to connect with you? Okay. Yes, it's Patricia DeLeon B as in boy. All right. Well, fantastic. You're building your brand as Dave's building his brand and continue. And we're all dealing with things online because that's what we have to do through this coronavirus. Yeah. So I appreciate you guys calling and coming by. Thank you so much, Neil. I really, really appreciate it. You, you stay um, strong and healthy out there and Dave, uh, congrats again. I total admiration. Like really. Thank you. Thank you. Last question. You 10 guys. seconds. 10 mm -hmm. seconds. Have mm -hmm. you found your passion yet? <laughs> yes, I have. Absolutely. And it's not just one. I can tell. Um, I, it's it's not just one. I I uh, you know what? Um, acting is definitely has is, is my passion, but I feel like I I I've already took over that, and um, not right now. It's makeup and 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 helping other people through oh, wow. the the power of color. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm working God on bless that. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so God much. Bless you guys. You're a wonderful, Thank you. wonderful human being. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Appreciate guys. it. Thanks, God guys. You God bless bye. you. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye. Take care. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be Thank back you. in just a moment. Bye bye.